Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, human composting. It'll be another option in California for what to do with a body after death. Governor Newsom signed it into law this month, and the practice is appealing to those seeking more climate-friendly alternatives to burial and cremation. But not everyone loves it, and it is pretty expensive. This hour, we'll learn all about the process of reducing humans to soil. And we want to hear from you. Would you choose composting over a traditional burial or cremation? Tell us after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. After death, cremation has been more popular than traditional burials in California for more than a decade. But come 2027, Californians will have another option, becoming human compost. An assembly bill signed into law by Governor Newsom this month made California the fifth state to legalize what's known as natural organic reduction. That's after Washington, Oregon, Colorado, and Vermont. And joining me now is the bill's author, Assemblymember Christina Garcia, who represents Bell Gardens and surrounding areas. Welcome to Forum, Assemblymember Garcia. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Glad to have you. Also, Katrina Spade is with us, founder and CEO of Recompose, a funeral home in Seattle specializing in human composting. Welcome, Katrina Spade. Thank you so much. So, Katrina, as I understand it, you invented how the process of reducing humans to soil could be done in cities. So what is human composting? What's involved? Well, I think the best way to think of human composting is to place yourself in the forest somewhere and think about what's happening on the forest floor as leaf, litter, um, sticks, and your errant dead chipmunk are decomposing naturally and creating topsoil. If you take that same, very same concept and place everything into a vessel that is highly controlled, where the environment is really carefully monitored, you actually, you're actually doing the very same thing that's happening on the forest floor, but you're decomposing a human body and creating soil that can be used on conservation land or in people's gardens. I see. So, and how long are you in this vessel and are you placed with anything? You are indeed. We, um, at Recompose, we place a bed of wood chips, alfalfa, and straw into the vessel. That's the perfect combination of materials that are high in nitrogen and high in carbon. 
And then we lay the person's body on top of that bed of material and cover the body with more of the same. So it, the body is kind of cocooned inside the vessel wrapped in this plant material. And then over the next 30 days, the transformation happens. So remind us what green burial is and how this is different, because I think green burial has already been legal in California. Yeah, green burial is the way humans have taken care of their dead forever. And it still happens in most of the world. It's only in the U.S. that um, we started embalming bodies um, in the 1800s and then also burying wooden or metal caskets in concrete lined graves. So that's really something that is practiced mostly in the United States. And that's we consider to be conventional burial today. Green burials where you place a body directly into the earth, either in a cardboard or wooden uh, coffin, or sometimes just wrapped in a shroud. And it's a more direct return to the earth. And it's always been an inspiration of mine when I was looking at recompose and creating a new option that was um, like green burial, but maybe more appropriate for our urban settings. More appropriate for our urban settings because basically with human... Right. It doesn't exactly. take up the land. Exactly. So with human composting, you essentially become about how much soil? Well, we're creating about a cubic yard of soil per person. And that's because of the plant material that we're using for the process. A cubic yard is about what fills a pickup bed truck. So it's quite a bit. Yeah, and not something that needs to be buried underground or take up land. Uh, so Assemblymember Christina Garcia, what made you want to legalize this in California, make this an option upon death in California? Yeah, I'm, I became a caretaker for my parents a while back, and we were forced to have these discussions for them to ensure that, you know, when that time come, comes, I'd be respectful of their wishes. But in that discussion, it, you know, turned into, well, what, what would I want? And it never felt like the choices that were here fit my desires. I wanted something that was going to be environmentally uh, better, uh, equal, more eco-friendly. And I wanted something, I, I always thought about the experience of visiting my family at the cemetery during the holidays, during Day of the Dead, for birthdays, and the experience that I wanted to, to share with my loved ones and the idea of them sitting under the shade of a tree that you know comes from the topsoil that my body could produce is something that sounded really exciting for myself. And this is an option uh, that I want here in California for myself and for others. And, and so this bill that you authored, it became law uh, just over a week ago. So what exactly will it do to basically get California to the point of having facilities like Recompose, you know, making this real here? Yeah. So we're giving uh, the Bureau up, up until 2027 to create the rules and regulations behind this to ensure we have a process that's going to be respectful of your loved ones, but also respectful of the community and the environment. Uh, and so stakeholders will be part of that discussion as they come up with those rules and regulations. Uh, and so just a little bit of time, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in no hurry. And so I'm excited that eventually this will be a reality here in, in California. Yeah. Rules and regulations for what? I'm curious, Katrina Spade, what are the rules and regulations or what has come up in the state of Washington that needed to be regulated? Well, the process of human composting is based on decades of research by farmers and agricultural institutions, including departments of ecology, in composting livestock and other animals. So um, I didn't invent the idea for m mammals. Um, I did take the idea of composting livestock and refine it and 
you know, improve it, I think, for human use. So the regulations are actually based for humans are actually based on that same research that's been done for decades on farms and in agricultural institutions. And those and and the in Washington state, the main um, regulations concern operators ensuring that the resultant material, that soil that we're giving back to families is free of dangerous pathogens and is safe for use on plants. Um, and so it's, they're not terribly complicated uh, regulations, but they're important that, of course, that operators are following them. And I think important that California Bureau takes the time that they need to create them. How much does the process cost at Recompose for human composting when you take all those things into account? So at Recompose, the process costs $7,000, and that includes everything from the pickup of the body from the place of death. Our service team stewards the family and friends through the process, um, which all told takes about a month and a half to two months for it to complete. And so when you think about that cost, it can sound like a little bit of sticker shock at first, but when you look at uh, burial, conventional burial, I, I don't think you can find for, for less than about $15,000 in most of the urban United States. And it can go up from there, depending on whether there's land to even buy a plot. And then um, cremation is certainly the, the least expensive option, but it's worth noting that it also, um, it doesn't account for the carbon cost. When you're looking at the cost of cremation, it's not talking about the, the impact that you're having to the climate change and to the planet. So I think you're right. Conventional burial or a casket funeral is, is comparable or more expensive and cremation would be far less. Could you talk though a little bit about um, the environmental footprint or the environmental effect of cremation that we may not be aware of. Yeah, so I found it really interesting that car that cremation and conventional or casket burial have about the same carbon footprint. Oh. And the reason is, yeah, I know, I, people can perceive cremation to be more environmentally friendly, but they're about the same. If you look at, on the one hand, on the burial side, you've got the manufacture and transport of caskets and grave liners and headstones, and then the upkeep of cemeteries forever, which is, of course, a long, a long time. And, if, and in some places like California, the use of water to water those cemeteries is pretty important to uh, factor in as well. But then on the other side with cremation, you have the burning of fossil fuels um, and the emitting of carbon dioxide, but also mercury and particulates into the atmosphere. So those two are on par. They're about 540 pounds of carbon per per method, I believe. Mm. <clears throat> when you look instead at, car at composting of a body, you get to avoid those emissions, but you also are sequestering carbon in the soil through the process of composting. So you've probably heard of like how important soil health is to, to climate change. And part of that is because when we can sequester carbon in the ground, we're keeping it there where it belongs. Actually, oh, I should have said, yes, go ahead. Katrina. I meant to say, uh, all told, you have about a metric ton of carbon saved when you choose composting over either of the conventional methods. Wow. And Assemblymember Garcia, I, I understand that you also became quite concerned that sadly, carbon emissions and the way that they are managed, controlled, and monitored had to actually be suspended because so many families were choosing cremation, especially during the pandemic. Is that right? 
That's correct. During the height of the pandemic, uh, our local art district had to waive rules. We actually have limitations on how many cremations could happen on a given day. Uh, and the pandemic just exacerbated the situation and reminded us of the importance of the choices we make throughout our life cycle and, and our footprint in all aspects out there. And so for me, it just added a sense of urgency of why this needed to be a reality sooner than later here in California. I've been working on climate change the 10 years I've been in the legislature. This kind of brings everything full circle. And you know, one, one piece by itself isn't, isn't gonna solve the problem, but if we're gonna solve the problem, we all need to think about our footprint you know, through all, through all everything that we do, including end of life. Uh, out there. And so I'm excited for this possibility. I'm excited for the positive benefits to, to clean air and to climate change out there. And for the discussion we're having just about, you know, what happens to us at, at the end of life. Well, this listener tweets, yes, I'm a professional gardener. I've thought of this for years. Please feed me to the flowers. The funeral industry is full of money making scams and the chemicals used to preserve bodies in the ground is adding toxic waste to our earth. And listeners, if you want to share whether or not human composting sounds appealing to you as an after-death option for the body or what your questions are about the process, you can also do that by posting them on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum, by emailing forum at kqed.org, or you can give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. We're talking with Katrina Spade, founder and CEO of Recompose, a Washington State-based green funeral home specializing in human composting, and Assemblymember Christina Garcia, representing California's 58th Assembly District, which includes Bell Gardens and other places in Southern California. I'm Mina Kim. You're listening to Forum. More after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Later this week, we'll be talking with California Supreme Court Chief Justice Tani Cantil Sakauwe about the direction of the court. She's stepping down in January after serving a 12-year term. Today, uh, we're talking about a new option for Californians upon death being composted. And we're hearing whether you'd consider becoming soil or what your post-death wishes are. And you can share them at KQED uh, on Forum at forum at kqed.org. You can email them 
to forum at kqed.org is what I meant to say. <laughs> Post them on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum or by calling us 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. And we are getting a lot. Becca comments, absolutely, we take so much organic matter from the land by burning, sealing, and embalming our bodies. Give it all back to nature. Return humans to the circle of life. And Sandy writes, would I compost my body? Absolutely. Another absolutely. I do the small things I can to benefit our climate. Final arrangement literature arrives in my mailbox regularly with few options. Composting is not one of them yet, but it's the only thing that makes any sense because it's not environmentally damaging. So watch out. That fertilizer could have flakes from Aunt Mabel. Now that's recycling. I love it. Uh, let me go to caller Charlie in San Francisco. Hi, Charlie. Hey, good morning. I'm uh, curious about water cremation. It seems like that that would be a carbon uh, avoidant uh, mechanism that might work for me better than certainly incineration in a furnace. Oh, yeah. Charlie, thanks for asking that. And that is legal, right, Assemblymember Garcia? I think it's called like alkaline hydrolysis. Exactly. That is legal here. That's a fourth option that's here in California now. And we passed a bill a couple of years ago to make that a reality. And we do have some businesses that are providing those services already. In terms of an environmental footprint, Katrina Spade, what are your thoughts on that? It is a little more environmentally friendly as well, right? Yeah, there's a it's a much reduced footprint to choose water cremation or alkaline hydrolysis over flame cremation. And I'm a, I'm a fan of lots of options. Um, I'm particularly enamored by soil and creating soil health. So uh, um, that's sort of why I wouldn't choose water cremation if composting were available to me, which it is here in Washington. <laughs> well, Tom writes, I make and use eight foot by three foot flow through worm composting bins. I've always teased my wife, asking her to toss me in when the time comes. How does recompose deal with the bones? Great question. Um, During the 30 days inside the vessel, the temperatures created by the microbial activity reach 150 degrees, 140 degrees Fahrenheit. It's quite incredible to see or to read on the computer screen, I should say. Um, And that is part of why so much of the bone is actually decomposed during that month's time. I'd say it's approximately 80 to 85% of the skeleton breaks down during that that time. After we remove our operators at Recompose, remove the soil from the vessel after a month's time, they screen for non-organics like your um, titanium hip or other other non-organics that you've had implanted, and those get recycled. And then the bone fragments that that still remain are broken down mechanically by our operators. And then everything organic is placed back in what we call a curing bin, where it stays for another two to four weeks. The microbial activity slows down and finishes. The compost or soil dries out, and it's ready to give back to families after that time. Katrina Spade is founder and CEO of Recompose in Washington State, which specializes in human composting. Assemblymember Christina Garcia is here, who uh, introduced the bill to legalize human composting in California. She represents cities in Southern California. And I would like to bring into the conversation now Courtney Applewhite, a doctoral candidate studying environmental disposition or eco-funerals at UC Santa Barbara, among other things. Courtney Applewhite, thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. 
So as I understand it, I know that not everybody, our listeners seem quite enthusiastic about the option of human composting becoming a reality in 2027, but not everybody has been. The only formal opposition to the bill did come from the California Catholic Conference. Could you tell us what they said? What was the basis of some of their concerns? Sure. So the Catholic Church has come out against natural organic reduction, I think, in in every state where it's been brought up for a legislation. And part of that has to do with the sacrality of the body. So in Catholic tradition, it's very important that the body remain intact, that it's treated with respect. And um, if you're a traditional Catholic buried in consecrated ground. Um, So all of these things sort of culminate in natural organic reduction, seeming like it's disrespectful of the body in their view. However, I will say that Catholicism it is a, isn't a monolith, right? It isn't. I mean, the upper the upper leadership of the Catholic Church has come out against it, but uh, recent polls by the Green Burial Council, among other organizations, have found that Catholics are increasingly interested in green options and and especially green burial. So I think that there are probably Catholics in California that are excited about the idea of natural organic reduction, and I think it's important for us to remember also that Catholics uh, the Catholic Church was formally against cremation until 1960. Right. So they're a little bit slow moving on some of these new developments. So they, they very well may um, sort of change their view as time goes on. But I, I will say that individual Catholics probably have different views. Mm-hmm. Well, let me go to caller Hillary in Oakland. Hi, Hillary. Hey there. Thanks for taking my call. I'm so interested in this topic. Can you hear me? I can. Loud and clear. Okay, great. So um, I'm Jewish, and in my tradition, we do green burial as a as a practice. Um, so, um, for most Jews, the body is placed is placed in a in a cardboard or wooden box. And what my rabbi had said to me was that cremation is a very violent process, whereby the um, the like if you have a titanium hip or an artificial hip, as you mentioned in your in your recent comments, um, that those things are removed before cremation, and it's a pretty violent process. And in, in Jewish tradition, it's similar, somewhat similar to Catholic tradition. It was sort of the, the precursor of Catholic tradition in that um, the body is, the, the deceased has company the entire time that they're being prepared for burial, and there's a washing process and, a, and an attention process and that the burial occurs very, very quickly. So a funeral is usually held a day or two after after someone dies. So I'm just wondering, you know, in this process, is there any sort of surgical removal of parts, or is there is there some kind of, or is there attention to keep the body in company? I mean, how are, and, and what did what did you think about this? What do rabbis think about this? Mm-hmm. I'd really like to hear your answers to that. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Hillary. Well, let me go back to Courtney with a question of how other faiths are talking or thinking about human composting and and Jews in particular, as Hillary would like to know. Yeah, I'm happy to speak to that. So I had the opportunity to speak with a lot of people in the Jewish faith community in San Francisco, actually, in San Francisco and Oakland, and uh, the organizations that are associated with synagogues called the Hevra Kadisha, who are the people who take care of the dead before, as they are being prepared for their burial. And there's a lot of conversation going on. Some of the people in San Francisco in these communities and rabbis, in addition, uh, in a lot of different places throughout the United States are very excited about the natural organic reduction option. They're 
excited about the implications it has for climate change and being another option for people within the faith. They're creating liturgies around this. So it varies amongst different people in different synagogues, but there are certainly certain Jewish um, members and, and rabbis who are really excited about the process and are, and like I said, are even creating liturgy or creating words to say around these kinds of processes. And some of the facilities in that I visited in Washington that are in operation now uh, do help facilitate those sorts of those sorts of gatherings. And, and Katrina, on the other parts of, of Hillary's question related to, I, I guess, basically the inorganic parts of us, which you touched on earlier, but if you have anything to add, but also I'm just very curious about what you have observed as the kinds of processes or rituals that, that people are, are basically um, performing when you are composting the bodies of loved ones? I started the work inspired by, like I said before, um, natural burial on the one hand, but also by the idea of home funerals and the work that folks all around have been doing to kind of um, demystify a little bit the idea of a dead body and, and when someone dies, understanding that the emergency has passed and you might even spend time with that person's body at home before you call someone to come and take it for you. Or as is the case with some of our clients, you could even drive it yourself to the place where it will be taken care of. We've had clients drive their loved one's bodies to us at Recompose. And we really wanna encourage that. And I think it kind of ties in a little bit with some faiths like the Jewish faith where we have a space, a room called the Cedar Room at Recompose where we've, where it's, um, it's there for families to sit with the body for some time if they want. And, and um, some of the things that clients um, have chosen to do is, uh, you know, perhaps it's put on makeup on your person, brush their hair, um, paint their nails. Perhaps it's just to sit there with music on or in silence to just spend a little more time with the body before it starts this next phase of the journey. Um, and so I think that that some of the ways we're just starting to see this be explored by our clients and we're, we're excited to kind of create like a new, um, almost like a, uh, a blank page almost for people to, to really explore what feels meaningful to them, whether it's for faith tradition or something that they're creating from scratch on their own. Well, I'm curious, Courtney Applewhite, as we're talking about different religious faiths and the way that different people will try to perform ceremonies uh, during the composting process, if you've done any research on demographically who is choosing to adopt these services in the states where it's been legal. Yeah, so I have done a little bit, and you know, most of my work has been centered on speaking to people who run these organizations and who are facilitating these kinds of processes. So based on my conversations with them, you know, it, the the people who are choosing it are reflective of the demographics of the places where it's legal, right? So this is why California will be such an interesting case study, because for example, Washington state is only 7.7 million people, and most of those people uh, identify as white Caucasian. And so that's most of the people that you'll find doing natural organic reduction, because those are the people that are there. Now, everyone that I've spoken with has said that they've seen a diversity of people who are interested in using it, particularly from the queer community has been a really popular choice 
choice because it does, as Katrina so aptly put, does provide a blank slate upon which people can create their own kind of burial experience or, or death experience. But that said, California will prove to be really interesting because it does offer us a diversity of people who have the option. And uh, just to be clear, so the, the although it's legal in five states now, there's really only operational facilities in Washington and Colorado. So again, those samples are going to be rather limited because mm -hmm. that is an overall very white Caucasian population. So again, California will really be the case study uh, that we'll see. Assemblymember Garcia, I'm curious if you have any sense of how supportive residents in your districts are, which I understand the district you represent is nearly seven seventy percent or so Latino, Latinx. Yes, it's a it's a Latino, it's a Catholic uh, district actually. Yeah. Most of my kids are Catholic, and it's funny, you know, I have an aunt that just flew in from Mexico on Tuesday, and on Wednesday she saw me in Spanish media, and I hadn't said hello to her, and I walked in, and she was eager to have a discussion about this process and how it would work. Uh, and so she told me initially I had this ick factor when I heard about it, but as I'm learning more about it, maybe I want to use this for myself out there. And so I think there's an educational process and how can we do something that still honors our traditions and our values, but also honors the earth. And so I've seen and I've had anecdotally discussions with the, my community members about this and some are excited, some are, you know, puzzled by it and, and some are just you know, in opposition, but I remind folks, this is just one more option. And it's about creating options that work for each individual and being respectful of, of that. And so this is an option that would work for myself. And, and so I've seen it anecdotally uh, across the board in my district where individuals are talking about it. And, and you know, I think we haven't stopped to talk, talk about it. Oftentimes we're afraid to talk about death or mortality out there. And so we are having those discussions and, and I have a lot of positive feedback including age-wise, the, the demographic. At first, I thought it was going to be younger individuals, but I've had older individuals tell me like, you know, I'm a, I'm a rancher, I'm a farmer, and I want, I want to do this for myself also. And so it's been very exciting to see the diversity in my community uh, talking about this. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Do you think that some, or have you heard some of the opposition be influenced by just our discomfort with talking about death and what happens after death? I think so. I think so. You know, just, you know, there's a lot of discomfort and, you know, the discussion I had with my aunt, we, we literally sat there and we broke down, well, what's the cremation process, you know, and what's the embalming process? And at the end, she's like, well, they're all kind of Vicky then now that you made me think about it, <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe this is the, the better, more natural way in the way things used to be done. And she talked about how on the farm, you know, they, they, they live on a farm. Oftentimes back in the day, they used to wrap individuals in a, in a blanket and bury them that way. And so, you know, I, I think it's that, it's just, I think it's not that the process is icky. I think the idea of death and talking about it feels scary and icky to individuals, period. Well, we're having a lot of reactions from listeners. Monica writes, I definitely want to do this, especially after seeing Queen Elizabeth entombed in wood, lead, and granite. The thought of my body or of my loved one's body trapped in a box is a bit nightmarish. We have a couple of other comments from listeners. Colin tweets, I love the idea of human composting and or green burial, but a question. If a person is undergoing chemotherapy just prior to death or taking medication that might be toxic to the soil, would the human composting process detoxify that person's body? Similarly, Jean asks, what do you do with the mercury or other minerals and fillings, pacemakers, etc.? Katrina Spade? 
So we had those very same questions. Um, one of the differences with humans versus livestock or, you know, your cow on the farm is that we might have undergone some pretty extreme medication before death. And so I worked in 2018 with Washington State University and their soil science department. And we had, um, we started a pilot study. We had six people donate their bodies to us before they died. And we were able to answer like the big three questions about the safety of that remaining soil. What happens to pathogens? That's well-researched. I mentioned the heat destroys the harmful pathogens. And so we know how to take care of, of dangerous pathogens in composting. But what happens to pharmaceuticals and what about heavy metals? And so the first thing to remember is that with pharmaceuticals in our bodies, we're actually really putting those into the waterways and the environment via the bathroom. <laughs> so actually death care is not the main way that pharmaceuticals get into our environment. It's a big problem, but death care is a small fraction of that problem. But we were happy to see that composting actually reduced pharmaceuticals by 95%. So it actually breaks up the pharmaceuticals in the soil. And by the time it's ready to give back to families, it's reduced by 95%. So that was a, a bit of a bonus, to be honest with you, because like I said, that's not the main contributor to the environment. Um, but then with heavy metals, we looked very, very basically at the EPA's limits for heavy metals with mercury and et cetera. And all of the soil is tested after it's created and all of it has to come in under the EPA's limits, which it comes in quite quite below um, those limits in part because there's so much plant material um, as part of the process. And then finally, I'll mention pacemakers because it's come up a couple of times. Pacemakers during the recompose process and with other NOR operators is the only, only thing that needs to be surgically removed before before what we call the laying in. And that's because a pacemaker battery can explode if, if it's in the vessel. And it's actually also removed before a cremation. So that's the only thing that needs to be removed. We're talking with Katrina Spade, founder and CEO of Recompose, which specializes in human composting in Washington State. Assembly member Christina Garcia, who, whose bill legalized the process of human composting in California, which should be available by 2027. Courtney Applewhite is a doctoral candidate at UC Santa Barbara studying eco-funerals and environmental disposition. And you, our listeners, are joining the conversation about human composting. We'll have more of it after the break. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about a new law that will allow Californians to choose to be composted upon death 
beginning in 2027. We're hearing how the process works, what's involved, the environmental benefits associated with it, and how different faiths and communities are reacting to it. Katrina Spade is with us, founder and CEO of Recompose. Assemblymember Christina Garcia is with us, who represents Bell Gardens and surrounding communities. Courtney Applewhite is with us, a doctoral candidate at UC Santa Barbara. And you, our listeners, are sharing what human composting means to you, whether it sounds appealing, your questions about the process. If you'd like, you can also share if you've already made plans for your body after death and or what you are thinking in terms of how you would like your body to be after death. Email forum at kqed.org if you'd like, or post your thoughts or questions on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at KQED Forum. And you can always call us, 866-733-6786. Let me go to Dave in Alameda. Hi, Dave. Hi. So all my life, I've enjoyed Dungeness crab. I used to uh, abalone dive, really enjoyed the sea. I know you can be buried at sea after cremation and ashes, but why can't we sector off a couple of miles of uh, square miles of Pacific Ocean for guys like me? Just tie a cinder block around my neck, toss me off in the best crab beds and let them have their turn. Well, What's Dave, wrong with that? I'll take my answer off the air. Well, the process of alkaline hydrolysis, how is it different from what Dave is describing? Do either you, Katrina Spade, or Assemblymember Garcia know? Maybe I'll start with you, Katrina. Yeah, alkaline hydrolysis happens inside of a stainless steel chamber where using a high alkaline um, and hot water bath, the body is dissolved. And then what remains is um, bone fragments, which are ground up, and that's given back to the family. Well, this listener tweets, there's nothing odd about becoming soil. All living beings, including our ancestors, have done this for millennia. What's weird and frankly creepy is draining the blood from our dead, sewing them up, filling them with chemicals, and selling them back to us for burial. No, thank you. Uh, Stephen writes, would human compost be okay to spread like ashes are done now in some meaningful area to the deceased? For example, in the ocean or on some land? perhaps public parkland. Uh, well, Assemblymember Garcia, I know you need to leave us. I'm not sure how far the regulations have gotten with regard to where and how they're spread. Uh, thank you. So no, I mean, the bill just got signed a week ago. Uh, and so the process is just uh, about to get started out there. We haven't gotten that far uh, yet. Uh, and so, you know, I will say that there are some rules even about how we dispose or how we share ashes in public. And I know individuals do it. Sometimes they're breaking the, the rules that way uh, also uh, out there. Um, but that's part of the process of how do we create something that's going to be respectful of your loved ones and their wishes, but also respectful of our community and our environment. And so, you know, I think we want to be able to reach that compromise uh, together as yes. we develop this option out there uh, as well. Uh, I do believe, can I add one more thing though for your Please. listeners? Go right ahead. It's really, I know it's scary to talk about mortality, but as someone who's a caretaker, it's been really empowering to be able to have those discussions with my parents to ensure that when that time comes and there's no hurry on our end, but that I'm going to know how to be respectful of, of their wishes. And a lot of times we're afraid to have these discussions, but it can be really empowering for your loved ones that they have that certainty that they're doing something that, that is going to honor you in, in the proper ways. And so I want to encourage individuals irrespective of what choice they choose to have those discussions with their loved ones to empower them for when that time comes, uh, even though there's no hurry. 
Well, thank you for making that point, and, and thank you again for coming on to share the reasons behind you introducing this bill and what it's made you think about. <laughs> Assemblymember Christina Garcia, representing California's 58th Assembly District, which includes Bell Gardens and other cities, Artesia, Bellflower, Cerritos, and so on. Thank you so much. Thank you. The other part of this, Katrina, of the question <clears throat> With regard to what to do with the soil, I know that California does ban combining the soils of multiple people's remains unless they are family. But then what is done in Washington state or what do you do? Because a cubic yard of soil is a lot, as you said, and it may not be that the family members want or loved ones want all of it. That's correct. A cubic yard, just to remind everyone, fits really nicely in the bed of a pickup truck. And we're creating that much soil because we're using plant material to compost the body. And so uh, early on in Recompose's sort of journey to be created, we thought, what would we do if a family didn't want all that soil back? And what we wanted was there to be a way to have a meaningful use of that soil. And I, I sometimes think about how when I die and I'm composted, I would like my body to keep being or my, my, the soil created to kind of be productive one last time. And so we have a partnership with a, a conservation trust up in Washington state. And about half of our families donate their loved one's soil to that conservation trust. It's 700 acres, forest, meadow, um, and it's in Southern Washington and Recompose um, transports the soil that has been donated to that conservation trust where it's used on various projects to regenerate the land that actually was mismanaged back in the 1930s and 40s. The other half of families have to do decide they would like that full cubic yard. And so they come to our facility in Seattle, Washington, and we instruct them to bring a pickup truck or a trailer and tarp and straps. And it's it becomes um, a little bit of a ritual itself. Um, when clients come to pick up that soil, they meet our NOR team that has really tended to their loved one's body for a month and a half or sometimes two months time. And so it's a pretty special moment in, in some cases. We've had families that have taken that soil and started a grove of trees on a hillside. We have uh, my, one of my favorite stories is a family that brought the soil back to the person's neighborhood and invited the neighbors to bring buckets and come and get some and bring it back to their gardens. And so this person, um, their soil kind of got to visit with the neighbors again. In Washington state, you're allowed to um, place the soil as long as you have permission from the landowner. It's the very same as ashes from cremation. Hmm. Well, Jim writes, a traditional practice in India is putting the body up in a high place and letting carry on fowls strip away the flesh. I think it's even more practical than composting. Within a day, the scavenger safely repurposed the nutrients from the body at a higher level on the food chain than microorganisms. Of course, those nutrients will eventually make their way back down to the bottom of the food chain through the waste of the carry-on fowl. But once you get past the yuck factor, the carry-on fowl solution seems to be the most sensible from many standpoints. Let me go to Dr. Rosalind Hudson. Hi, Dr. Hudson. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. So when my husband and I finished our uh, training, he's a plastic surgeon, we both decided to donate our body to science because both of us had such a reverence for the people who donated their bodies and let us learn by dissecting them and actually now uh, 
they're working on curing blindness by people who donate their eyes, but they have to get the person, like, immediately uh, before death, like when they're being turned off a ventilator. So I think uh, I would like to persuade people to consider that donating one's body to science would be another alternative to composting that would benefit humanity. Well, thank you, Dr. Hudson, for sharing your plans. Um, Another listener writes, just wanted to say that in Islam, similar to Judaism, the norm is to wash and bury the dead, drape in compostable fabric, and let the body decompose without any preservation. Cremation is not acceptable as far as I know. Courtney Applewhite, hearing all of these people talking about uh, sort of their thoughts about their bodies after death or how different faiths also um, handle bodies after death, I wonder if you have noticed, and and also even this enthusiasm that we're seeing for composting, um, if you've noticed shifts in the way that we are talking about what to do with the body after death, and if any of it surprises you. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. So the demographics in the United States are slowly shifting. This has been documented over the past 10 years or so. Although there are still a diversity of faith traditions and there is an outsized proportion of Christians amongst us, so that's the, the majority religious faith, there's an increasing number of people who are unaffiliated or, you know, maybe identify as a particular religion, but don't attend the institution. So really what's happening is that people are somewhat disconnected from what to do with their bodies after death. They don't have a faith tradition to turn to. They don't have a particular rabbi or or imam or priest that they can ask, what do I do? What What's next? So it's creating a space of innovation around what to do uh, when with the body after after someone has died. And I think that that's one of the reasons that things like natural organic reduction can become so popular is because with this increasing number of people who don't have these specific faith traditions that they turn to, they are, are looking for alternatives that resonate with them in different ways and, and have different values. Well, Michelle writes, I heard about Recompose and told my family this is my wish for final remains, but it may be cost prohibitive. Are there less expensive options? I'm against the embalming industry. Katrina Spade. Yeah, we're, I mean, the thing about death care is like, I'm really aware of the cost can be prohibitive for people. And again, the reason for such a large cost has to do in part with the fact that we're tending to the body for a month and a half to two months. Cremation takes four hours and it's, um, again, the carbon cost, the carbon impact is not calculated in that cost. And I don't think that human composting could responsibly ever beat cremation. And when I say responsibly, I mean, could um, tend to the body appropriately and also pay its staff. An operator couldn't pay its staff appropriately with a cost as low as cremation. I'm I'm sorry to say, I think that's the case. And so part of what Recompose does to to help with this is we have a program called Precompose where we we let people start paying in their 20s, in their 30s, in their 40s, $100 a month if they want towards this future composting. Um, and, And what I love about that option is number one, you're kind of spreading the cost over time. But number two, you get to talk about the fact that you've already signed up for your human composting in the future as at your dinner parties and you're making a stand towards a benefit to the climate when you when you die. So I, I recognize it's a large cost and, and we're always thinking about how to make it easier on folks. Mm. Well, Courtney Applewhite, with the few facilities that are out there, what is the range in terms of costs for human composting that you've seen? Yeah, so there are 
uh, different kinds of facilities that operate. So in Washington, there are uh, facilities that are primarily outdoor um, in rural areas, and, and those costs can be much lower there in the $3,000 range. And then all the way up to, I think I've seen $9,000 being offered at certain facilities. So there is a little bit of a range in the facilities that I've spoken with. And that probably has to do with opera with what Katrina alluded to, right? Operating costs, where they're located, the kinds of resources and pay that's needed to pay staff, that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, ultimately these are the challenge with the death care industry is that of course, these are people who knew, do need to make a living in some way. So it is a complicated uh, issue indeed. Hmm. Well, Diane writes, since I'm a coffee freak, I'd like to be composted with used coffee grounds and maybe an unwrapped bar of dark chocolate. We're talking about a new law that makes human composting an option upon death in 2027 uh, in California. This is a fundraising period for KQED Public Radio, and you are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Let me go to caller Charles in Sassoon Valley. Hi, Charles. Good morning. I'm 75. I want a green burial. Uh, I own a farm, and I want a simple burial with a shroud in topsoil, you know, the first foot or two. What's to stop my family from just doing that uh, any time now when mm. I may pass? Yeah. We, Charles, we you said you own your farm, right? You, this is your farm? Please. You own this farm? I do. So, Courtney Applewhite, is there something that would stop his family from doing it that way? Unfortunately, if you live in California, I do not think it's legal to do a, a home burial. So I don't think it's legal, even if you own your land, to bury on your own uh, to, if you want to bury uh, on your own land. However, if you check with your uh, local municipal or county zoning department, you may be able to establish what's called a family cemetery, which is a zoning nuance that basically would say we're creating a family cemetery on this family farm, but you would need to have it zoned within your municipality and then your family could legally bury you there. Otherwise, it's uh, yeah, it's getting into like complicated legalities with respect to the selling of the farm later on down the road and those kinds of things. So if you want to do that, you should contact your local municipality to see if they provide that option for you. Well, Susan writes, I'm so happy that this has been legalized in California. My kids are a bit squeamish about spreading me on the garden, but I think they'll get used to the idea. Too bad it won't be in practice until 2027. I'm almost 75 and may not make it until then. Aww. So can I leave instructions to ship my remains to another state? Are you seeing this happen, Katrina Spade? We certainly are. Recompose has had about 15% of our clients come from out of state. We've had a number of Californians join us up here in Seattle to be composted. It's perfectly legal to have your body flown, unembalmed. And in fact, you'd be surprised at how many people die somewhere else. And then a funeral home has to ship them to another funeral home. So if you die in California and want to be shipped to recompose, you need to work with a local funeral home there and they'll arrange the transport and we'll pick you up at the airport in Seattle. And Eli writes, how can someone get involved in human composting as a career? I've been interested in this for a long time. And now that it's legal, I'd love to work in the growing field. I'll go back to you, Katrina. Well, in Washington state, we have uh, licensed funeral directors who are on our services staff, and that's that's required by law. So you, would, if you wanted to do service work in human composting, you'd want to pursue a funeral director's license. But what's cool is we've also created a new career path in a way by creating 
NOR and then and then the operators who tend to the bodies and actually do the composting work. And so that's a um, field where there's no particular licensure, except once you once you are hired by Recompose, you go through a certification training, which is a licensure, but there's no pre-schooling or licensure that particularly is required. Um, come to the newsletter, come to our website, sign up for the newsletter. You'll know when jobs are available at Recompose. And we do plan on coming to California when it's time. So um, mm. what are us. the first steps you've done in the process, Katrina, with this well, bill passage? I lived in San Francisco for eight years, so I'm thinking hard about where our first location should be. It's to be determined still, but we've always hoped to have California legalized human composting. It's always been a dream of mine to have Recompose land there. So, Well, let me go to Rebecca in Berkeley. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, can you hear me? I can. Okay, great. I just wanted to um, let your guests know I watched, I think it's about a 30-minute YouTube video about Recompose a year ago or so, and I completely changed my mind. And the thing that about what I want to do with myself, and I'm definitely going to be composted, but um, uh, it's just sort of silly, but the thing that won me over was there was a section in the video that talked about uh, how you cannot be buried alive because it's only oxygen that's being pumped into the cell, and so therefore the microbes won't work on a living being, and if you were to wake up, you could just knock on the door and be let out, which I... <laughs> Uh, completely <laughs> won me over. So that's all I wanted to say. <laughs> oh, Rebecca, thanks for sharing that. Katrina, I watched your video too, but I guess really quickly, right? How has working in this, doing this, kind of changed your relationship, if it has at all, with death? I have to say, it makes me appreciate being alive every day. I think that's the, that's the best way to put it. Thinking about death is a great way to appreciate being alive. Oh, Katrina Spade of Recompose, thank you. Thank Courtney, you so much. Courtney Applewhite of UC Santa Barbara studying eco-funerals and environmental disposition. Thank you for your insights, too. Thanks for having me. And thanks, listeners, for sharing how you feel about this, your questions, and also your thoughts about your body after death. My thanks to Caroline Smith for producing today's segment with help from Susie Britton. I'm Mina Kim. This is Forum. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Heising Simons Foundation, and the Bernard Osher Foundation, supporting higher education and the arts. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
all over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.